Good morning, Crossroads. Wow, what a joy to be in this place with you today to share the Word of God. I have one announcement to give today, and I hope you are ready to hear it. Not only hear it, but heed it, the announcement that I'm about to give you. But before I get into the announcement, I just want to say that I am so grateful for the opportunity to worship with you. I'm grateful for the friendship that God has built and forged between us at Tabernacle Community Church and your leadership. That is by way of Pastor Rod. God is good, is it? He is good. I bring you greetings from your friends across town at Tabernacle Community Church, where I have had the privilege to pastor for the last 15 years. I'm also grateful that my family could join me here this morning. Carrie, I'm so thankful to God for you and the kids for your partnership in this work of our Christ. So thank you for being here and for partaking in this worship service. God is here, isn't he? I could sense his presence on yesterday evening as we met upstairs. I could feel his presence this morning when we immersed the first group. And I'm feeling his presence as this worship team has just warmed up our hearts and ushered us into the presence of God as we have worshipped him together. It is my joy, it is my privilege to present to you the many gifts of Christmas. But this morning I want to talk about the gift or gifts of life and meaning. Now, when you think of Christmas, when I think of Christmas, when many people think of Christmas, we often think of passages that talk about the birth of Christ. We hear about the angels. We hear about Mary and Joseph. We hear about the shepherds. We hear about the wise men. And we see the nativity scene. But this morning... I want to jade your mind a little bit. I want to bring you to a place where you may not think God is talking to us about Christmas. That is in the Gospel of John. So you have the copy of the Bible that you brought home or one of the blue Bibles you might have picked up once when you walked in here. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. And when you turn to the Gospel of John, stay at chapter 1, right at the beginning of the Gospel of John. I want to walk through the first 11 verses and be able to share with you the gift that God has for you and me on this Christmas. I want to unpack the presents that God has for you and me on this Christmas. What are they? Things like life and meaning. Things like belonging to a family. This was so cool. When I walked in here this morning and I asked Pastor Rod, where do I sit? He says, you are amongst family, so you sit anywhere. I said, that's cool. I'm among family. So I'm going to stand in the back with Caleb and Matt. So there I stood for a minute. And then there was a family sitting on this side. They said, would you come and sit with us? I said, yes. I'm amongst family. So the gift of Christmas gives us the privilege to be a part 
of the family of God. And while we are in the family of God, we experience the grace and the truth of God. There also, we find clarity in our identity in Christ, which gives us a testimony or a story to share with other people. With the gift of Christmas, God gives us a mission and a purpose for our lives. There are many gifts that God gives to us during this season. But the greatest of all gifts is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, becoming like us. Jesus Christ becoming human. And in the church, we refer to that as the incarnation. Jesus becoming like one of us. Therefore, my friends, this morning, I would like to present to you the gift of life and meaning that Jesus Christ brings. So you have turned to the Gospel of John. You are at chapter 1. So would you read, follow along with me? In fact, I'm going to ask you, would you stand as we read the Word of our God? John chapter 1, I'll read from verse 1 to verse 11. Follow along with me. Here John reports, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. Now the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Amen? May God bless the reading of his word as well as the hearer. You may take your seat. The greatest gift that God has given each one of us and is we giving that gift again this Christmas is the gift of incarnation. God becoming human. So the first thing God, John stresses here in this text is that the word and that the word is eternal. If you go back to the text and you look with me, verse 1 through 3, this is what John says, In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And he was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning was the word. Now, when I read this in preparation to our time, I took a pause. And I reread what John said here. He uses the verb to be in a past tense. He says, was. What does that mean? Was here to me, 
and I believe it's going to be evident to you, signals that the world, the word already existed at the point in history known as the beginning. At the point in history known as the beginning, the word already existed. How do I know? Here's how. If you would, go to the beginning of your Bible. Go there with me to the book of Genesis. In fact, turn there with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. This is how I know. I took a pause. Why does John use the verb to be in a past tense? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 reads as such. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now here you will find that the Word was already there when the world was created. The Word was active in a creative process. This is the reason the Apostle Paul will say this in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It's not only that the word was there at the creation the Word existed from eternity. The Word existed from eternity. Now, you may ask this question. What was the status of the Word which existed from eternity? Here's the answer. The Word was God. The Word was God. What does this do then? What does this mean? Has the status of God changed? Was he only God at creation? The answer is absolutely not. The use of was here is set in contrast to what John is about to say later in John chapter 1. In chapter 1 verse 14, John says this, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. When the Word entered the human family, when the Word entered the human family, He became flesh. So John makes a deliberate parallel he makes a deliberate parallel with the account of creation in Genesis by saying, God speaks salvation into existence. God speaks salvation into existence. Therefore, my friends, salvation is God's gift to us, which gives us meaning and purpose in this life. Hear what Eugene Peterson says in his introduction of the Bible called the message, if I the paraphrase of the Bible called the message, this is what he says, introducing the Gospel of John. He says this, God's word takes on human form and enters 
history in the person of Jesus. Jesus speaks the word and it happens. What happens? When Jesus speaks the word forgiveness and judgment, healing and illumination, mercy and grace, joy and love, freedom and the resurrection, all of that happens when Jesus speaks. Everything broken and fallen, sinful and diseased, call into salvation by God's spoken word. So we see in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, we discover that Jesus Christ is the eternal word of God. Now, if you are note-taking folks, the people at Tabernacle like taking notes, so when they go home, they like the Berean. I don't know if you've heard of the Berean. They hear and they take note when they go home, they double check if what was told to them is actually the word of God. So if you are not talking people here at Crossroad, I will encourage you to mark this down. Jesus Christ is the eternal word of God. He is the eternal word of God. Not only Jesus Christ is the eternal word of God, he is also the source of life. This is what John says in chapter 1, verse 4. Look with me. Back in the Gospel of John, it says, In him was life. Now, in every other religion, in every other religion in the world, the founder points folks to eternal life. They say, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will reach eternal life. But here, Jesus makes a bold statement. And John reported to us, he says, in him was life. If you go further in the New Testament and you get to the letter that the Apostle John wrote to the church, in the letter of 1 John, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. There John reports says, Jesus is the word of life. In verse 2, Jesus is called the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. If you pay close attention, if you pay close attention here, you realize that John is not telling us that Jesus Christ has eternal life. He's not even saying that Jesus Christ gives eternal life. He's saying Jesus Christ is eternal life. Friends, there's a huge difference. There was a huge difference. The founders of all the other religions in the world will point us toward eternal life. Jesus comes and says, I am eternal life. God, this is what the Bible says. He is eternal life. There is no other gifts this Christmas that we can receive this season that it is greatest than receiving the gift of life that Jesus Christ gives. Amen? There is no other gifts. He is the source of life. And this will be point number two in, uh, in your notes if you are taking any note. Jesus Christ is the source of life. John reports in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life. Therefore, 
To know Jesus by faith, to know him in love, is to have this eternal life. There is nothing any one of us can do. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing that I can do in order to be able to receive this gift. In fact, this season, this season we are in, you may receive a gift or two from a friend or a family member. Someone who loves you may give you a gift. My brother, what's your name? Derek. You may receive a gift this Christmas. In order for that gift to be yours, Derek, what do you need to do? Nothing. Well, Derek is going to do nothing and he's going to receive a gift. In order for that gift that you do nothing to receive, Derek, to become yours, what do you need to do? Derek needs to take it. In other words, Derek needs to receive it. If Derek does not receive the gift, it's not his. It is there. Is this your wife? Girlfriend. It is there the girlfriend gave. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so she gives you a gift, Derek. It's not yours unless you receive it. Now, there is a problem. Here's a problem. Here's a problem. And this may not just be Derek's problem. It may not just be my problem. I think this is a problem that we all experience. What is it? We are proud people. We are hardworking people. Therefore, we are accustomed to getting things for ourselves. So receiving gifts is not the easiest thing for us because we are accustomed to working for everything we have. But to receive this gift, it requires humility. It requires us to humble ourselves. It requires us to admit that we can't do anything to receive it. Or let us assume this Christmas that Derek's girlfriend wants to give him a gift. She knows Derek, you know Derek. She knows Derek really well. She knows that Derek is very stubborn. He likes his way in everything there is to have your way in. So she wraps up this gift. And in a gift, Derek is excited to receive the gift, and he opens the first gift. And as he opens the gifts, it is a book. And the title of the book is Overcoming Stubbornness. <laughs> and Derek looks at his girlfriend and he says, thank you very much. <laughs> Let's assume that there's somebody in this room today who has had the toughest year financially. I know Pastor Rod is my friend. I know he's generous. And he knows that you've had a hard time financially, and he wants to bless you, but you are a tight-lipped person. You are very proud. And you have a difficult time receiving things from people that you did not work for. Pastor Rod comes and slips you the envelope. You take the envelope. You open the envelope. And in it, there are more dollars than 
you could have imagined receiving considering the difficulty year that you had. And you say to him, thank you for this gift. But in order for you to receive that gift, you have to admit that it's been hard for you. Friends, this is the same way with the gift of Jesus Christ. In order for us to receive the gift of Jesus Christ, we have to admit that we haven't been all of that. We have to admit that we are sinner and depraved, that we cannot do anything to be able to help ourselves. So this Christmas, God is saying, receive the gift. Receive the gift that I have for you. Why? Because this gift is the source of life and meaning for your life. Jesus is a gift from God to humanity. He became flesh and came and dwelt amongst his people. If you look back with me in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, look at the end, second part of verse 4. This is what John reports, that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. This light implies the revelation. It implies the unveiling. It implies the revealing of things that you and I cannot see with our naked eye. How do I know? Somebody said this long ago. Prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, he said his word. That life, that the people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of the deep, of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now you know this. At least I think you know this. You know that light is indispensable for life. How so? At night, if you were to drive your car without putting on your headlight, you are going to cause a lot of damage and probably even take your own life. If you walk in a room that is dark and you do not turn on the lights, you are about to run into walls, stab your feet against the table or the chairs or the couch, or even kick or run over your dog or your cat because it is dark. This is like the world today. It is that the world we live in today. We cannot truly see the pain and the suffering that our dark world brings unless Jesus Christ opens our eyes. You may ask, how dark is our world? Not my world. Not so fast. Look around. Look around and you see the effects of darkness everywhere. Did you know? You may not have known because you can only know if Jesus Christ shines his light and opens your eyes to see. Did you know that our state, the state of Michigan, is ranked amongst the highest states in the union for human trafficking? Did you know? That individual being trafficked from Chicago to Detroit to Grand Rapids for a variety of purposes. Cheap labor, sexual exploitations, and the list goes on. 
You can only know that if Jesus Christ opens your eyes to be able to see what's happening in our dark world. Look around. Should I remind you of Las Vegas? Should I remind you of Texas? Should I remind you of California? Should I take you across the seas and remind you of what just happened recently in Egypt? Violence everywhere. We live in a dark world. Oh, how about this? This is a new thing, and I look in this crowd, and I think you guys are Facebook and Twitter crowd. Should I remind you of the hashtag MeToo? Sexual perversions, sexual exploitations. We live in a dark world. In our very own Grand Rapids, and in fact, all the major cities in our countries and around the world, homelessness is rampant. We live in a dark world. Last I checked, recently we have about 66 million refugees and internally displaced, forcibly displaced individuals in our world because of persecution. We live in a dark world. Oh, let me bring it close to where we are. Right now, right here. If you look deep down within your own heart, you can also see a dark spot within it. Let me tell you, my brothers, let me tell you, my sisters, we cannot solve any of these issues of darkness unless Jesus Christ opens our eyes to see them. He is the source of light. Not only is he the eternal word of God, not only is the source of light, but he, Jesus Christ, is also the source of light. Just as sunlight is the source of life, Jesus brings life to vegetation. Jesus brings life to nature. The Bible said Jesus brings life to dead people. You and I were dead at one time in our sins. And dead people, as I check, cannot do anything to earn anything. It is by grace through faith. By grace through faith alone, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it's by grace you've been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not for your own work. Why? So that we cannot boast. Paul comes on and tells us in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, because Jesus Christ is the source of light and the source of life, Paul tells us, he says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Our whole lives are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Since Jesus Christ is the eternal word of God, the source of life and the light, if we have experienced his life and have received him, we will never, ever walk in the darkness again. And guess what? We will become his witnesses. We will become his witnesses. We will go and tell other people that we have seen the light. John chapter 8 verse 12 tells us, Jesus himself declaring a John, proclaiming to the world that Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever walk, follows him will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. As John was sent to introduce Jesus 
as John was sent to introduce Jesus to the world, you and I are being sent today to testify for the tremendous things we have seen him do in our lives. Go back with me to the gospel of John chapter 1. Look with me, beginning of verse 6. John reports and says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not a light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, when we read this, we think, wait a minute, that was like 2,000 years back. That's long ago. And we think, who knows? This could have been just fictitious. Was really a person named John who lived? Well, John lived. How do I know that he was a real person? Because Luke chapter 1 tells me. Derek, can I talk to you again? <laughs> you have a mom and dad, Derek. What's mom's name? Elaine. What's dad's name? David. David and Elaine are the parents of Derek. Luke chapter 1 tells me Zachariah and Elizabeth are the parents who? Of John. Where were you born, Derek? Where? Grand Rapids. Derek was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. John was born in the hill country of Judea. We can place both Derek and John in geography. Hill country of Judea for John, Grand Rapids, Michigan for Derek. Why am I talking about this? This is why. John was a real person, just as Derek is a real person. Now, John, we don't know his last name, so we call him John the Baptist. John the Baptist was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. Now, John, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. His role and mission was clear. It was simply to witness to the light. This is what happens when we understand our role in this life. John the Baptist pointed away from himself. He pointed to Jesus. Why did he do this? Because so many were impressed by his ministry. They began to wonder if he was the Christ, the anointed one, the promised one long ago by God to Israel. So rather than pointing to himself, John responded, responded by pointing away from himself and pointing to Jesus. In John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, verse 20, he declares, he says, I am not the Messiah. This is what true witnesses do. When a witness is called on a witness stand, the judge only expects from them to be able to witness to what they have heard, seen, or understood from what they heard and seen. 
They're not called to the witness stand to be able to tell their own stories, but to report what they've seen and heard. So the message of the gospel, my friends, it's not about us. As strange as that may sound in your ear this morning, the message of the gospel is not about us. It is about Jesus. We are to report, we are to witness to what Jesus has done. Once we realize that it's the free gift that we receive from God by grace through faith, we cannot, credit, we cannot take credit for it. I reminded you a few moments ago, and I want to remind you again with what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, through, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. This is only when we receive the gift. Once we receive the gift, then we know that we can go out and be able to tell others of what God has done. And when we go out and tell others what God has done, if you are taking notice, will be point number four in your notes. We then become witnesses. We become the witnesses to the light because our eyes have opened. We can then go out and tell others, this is what I've seen, this is what I've heard. Not only have I heard, but this has happened in my life. We become witnesses. If you go back to John chapter 1, you look at verse 9 through 11. John reports to us, he said, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In fact, he was in a world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I paused and I thought, his own did not receive him. These are Jewish people. Jesus was Jew. His own did not receive him. These are Jewish people. And I began to think, I'm exonerated. His own did not receive him. I even go in the scriptures and I look in the book of Acts. Luke is reporting here, he says in verse 22, Acts chapter 2, he says, People of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God. To you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did amongst you through him, as you yourselves know. Verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. He came to his own and his own Receive him not. Well, not so fast. Not so fast. We can't just leave this at the doorsteps of Israel or Jewish people and say his people did not receive him. Because later, later as Paul is writing to the churches, specifically to the church of Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we find Paul saying it's not only the Jewish folks who rejected him, it's the whole world that rejected him. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, 7, and 8, 
He says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare. We declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So this moves. It's not only that his own did not receive him, the whole world did not receive him. And because the whole world did not receive him, the Lord of glory was hung at the cross of Calvary. For your sins and my sins. Because... We rejected God. But friends, before I take my seat, before I take my seat, I need to give you a word of encouragement. I am thankful. I am grateful to God that there are those who received them. That there are those who received them. And because they received them, a young boy from the Democratic Republic of Congo in the city of Bukavu came to know the light and receive the light. And was saved. Because there are those who received him. A young man from Hudsonville. By the name of Rod von Sokuma. Did I say that right? Received him. He saw the light. He received them, And we have a community like this. I am thankful to God. That not all rejected him. Some received them. I came to faith. Some received them. Your pastor came to faith. Some received them, and the gospel went all over the world. We, who were once not a people, now are the member of the family of God. Because some received them, I can now come and be receiving this community, and your pastor will say, sit anywhere. You are amongst the family of God. Because some received them. We who once had no significance, now we are significant in the sight of God. Our value in this life does not come from what we do ourselves, but from sharing with others what he has done for us. This will be point number five. Our significance in this life comes from receiving the gift of life and sharing that gift with others. So you may ask, what am I to do? So what? What am I to do, you may ask. As we enter this Christmas season, what am I to do? My friend, first and foremost, receive the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. Receive the free gift, free gift of God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because salvation gives life and meaning to your life. Salvation gives life and meaning to your life. And once you have received this gift, then, and only then, you will share that gift with others within your sphere of influence. So I pray for Crossroad Bible Church. I pray for you 
I pray that this Christmas season, if you have never received the gift of God that is given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, that this will be the, the, the right time for you to be able to say, although I have difficult time receiving things that I did not work for, God, you have worked this out. I want significance. I want meaning. I want purpose. I'm going to receive your son, Jesus Christ, the free gift that you have given me. I pray that you will then, after receiving this gift, you shine the light of Christ in your sphere of influence. You shine that light in a world so that others will be able to know that Jesus has come, that God has become flesh, and he dwells amongst his people. Amen? If you would please stand to your feet as a praise and worship team comes and just leads us into time of worship. And as we worship him, I call you, if you have never received this gift, that you'll open your hearts, you open your hands, and you'll be able to say, Lord, I want to receive this gift. And once you receive it, shine the light so that our world will know that he has come to be with his people. God bless you. Let's worship him. Give God thanks for the time of worship in this space. God is here and is with you. So as you leave today, receive this blessing and be a light wherever Jesus sends you. My brothers, my family, my friends, my sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace as you represent him now and forevermore. You are dismissed. Amen.